Hello. Um, I'm not a teacher, but when I do learn a lesson, I want to share it. And when the Lord gives me a word, I want to share it also. Um, let's go ahead and pray that the Lord speaks and I don't. Father, I just thank you for tonight, Lord. I thank you for you, Lord. I pray that people would have ears to hear, Lord, and that you would speak, and I wouldn't, Lord. I thank you, Lord, and I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I'm going to be reading from Romans 8, 32. Um, last night I was at Josh's house uh, helping him fix his computer. And uh, I think sometimes he thinks I'm blessing him, but I get blessed because I get a little bit of extra one-on-one time. And um, we were just talking about a bunch of stuff. And a message. Uh, one of the things he said, a message came up and not... Uh, he was sharing that his brother Christian would point to a scripture and pray, believing what it says in that scripture. And uh, so he was just giving me those, and he just picked one at random and read it out loud. And it was Romans 8, 32. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us, wouldn't he also give us everything else? And that just, man, it just hurt my heart. Because he already gave us the greatest gift he could ever give us. He already gave up the greatest thing he could give up. So what is everything else that we ask for? His, everything is so lesser, then, then why are we not hesitating to ask? And I mean, even for me, I think about it sometimes, and I don't ask because I really don't know. But there are also things that we ask for that we get a no, which is not fun to get a no when we really want something. Um, We get a yes, which is great. But then we also get a wait, a wait which I think is worse than no. Because, because he just says wait, and um, he doesn't say how long. He just says wait, and um, I'm not talking about when it says he wants to give you everything else. He's not talking about sweet. I get that Ferrari, or I'm going to get a million dollars. He's talking about those real prayers, those prayers of man, Lord, will my Father please come to know you? Will my grandpa, please come to know you. Will my brother, please come to know you. Will you please heal my mother? All of those things. All those things we pray for every day and we get weight. And, um, I just wanted to encourage you to keep praying. And when you get that weight, you just keep praying and be faithful that the Lord is going to come through. And just a quick word about prayer. And he says, in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. He really wants you to cast them. He wants you to throw them up to Him. And I mean, you might say to yourself, Well, I casted them to Him, but I still have that burden on my heart. And I think that's because sometimes we put our prayer up, and we hold on to it. We're not giving it to Him. We're holding on to it. 
And um, I just really, when you when you really feel burdened about something, when you feel like you've prayed, but it's still on your heart, you need to give it again. And you need to give it again and again as you go out through your day. As soon as you feel burdened again, you just stop and you pray again. And it says in um, Philippians, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And I mean, if you're really giving Him your burden, then you should have peace. And if you don't have peace, you give it again until you have that peace. So I want I want to follow Christian's example and I want to turn to Romans 8.32 and I want to pray. I want to pray with you. I want you to open your Bibles and I want you to point to it. I want you to think about that biggest burden on your heart that person you've been praying for that seems like you've been praying forever. And I just want you to know that you need to keep praying and you keep staying faithful and the Lord will come through because He's already given you the biggest gift you could ever get. Everything else, man, He's just going to hand it over. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray my biggest burden on my heart and I want you to really think about your biggest burden and then we're just going to lift it up together. Father, man, Father, I just thank you for you. I thank you for what you've already given up for me, Lord. I thank you that I can even ask for anything for you. And Father, I just want to, I just want to lift up my grandpa to you, Lord, Father. As he lays in that hospital bed, I pray that his mind would be clear. I pray that he would hear your call, Lord. I pray that he would know that you are worthy, that he is worthy. And all he needs to do is turn to you and accept you and love you. Please, Father, I do not want my grandpa to burn. Please let him turn to you. And Father, I lift up the prayers of these people here, Lord. Man, Lord, they just... There's just so many things in their heart, Lord. There's the people, the things, the things that need to be answered, Lord. I pray that you would hear their prayers now, Lord. I pray that you would answer their prayers now, Lord. And if it's wait, Lord, I pray that you would give them the patience to wait. Father, I just, man, I just love you so much, Lord. I love you, King. I thank you, Lord, and I love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 You know, uh, as Robert was talking, I was reminded of something I just read, and I didn't get a chance to look at it exactly. Let me see if I can find this here. Hmm. 
Ah, yes. Oh, yes. Psalm chapter 84, verse 11. Listen. This is power. Psalm chapter 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk uprightly. Do you hear that? No good thing will God withhold from those who walk uprightly. Huh? No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. What a powerful statement. God says, walk uprightly. And everything that is good for your life, I will give to you. And that means what? The things that I don't give you are what? Not good. Not good. They are not good for you. You think, Lord, I need this. I want that. Pull through for me in this way. Deliver me there. And God says, that's not good. Right now I have a little situation that is going on in my life. I'm just like, Father, I know you can deliver me. Right? Yeah, I know you can today. You can do it right now if you want to. He says, no, it's not good, Josh. That's not good for you. Lord, I'm doing my best I can. I'm trying to walk uprightly in this moment. We can weigh up sin. And I say, Lord, you say you will withhold no good thing. I, this is a good thing. No, it's not, Josh. No, Lord, it truly is. Like, I really need this to work out. It's not good for you. No, but you don't understand. I think it's good, and I know it's good, and so it's got to be good. It's got to be the right thing. You've got to do this. No, it's not good. Josh, I will withhold nothing from you that is good for you. And family, if it's not good, it's not coming to you. But guess what? If it is good, it's coming to you. God is going to keep doing good for you. And so if good means your car breaking, that's a good thing. <laughs> but Lord, that doesn't seem very good. No, it's very good. You want to know why? Because I'm going to teach you patience. I'm going to teach you faithfulness to me. I'm going to teach you to trust me. If it's going to be a hard time, something that you can't battle with, something that you feel helpless in, Lord, that seems bad. Oh, really? It's good. Because I'm working this in you, and I'm working that in you. I'm trying to help you to understand. That's the great thing. I, I had a guy at the college, RCC, just last week asked me, or two weeks ago, what is God allow evil? <laughs> I said, how do you know it's bad? How do you know that thing happening to you is a bad thing? Well, it is. This, you know, this happened, so it's, it's got to be bad. Really? So I gave him a couple illustrations, which I think I already gave, maybe, but I'll give it again. If a man's walking down the street, breaks his leg, is that a bad thing or a good thing? Everybody says, bad. How do you know? Because right after he broke his leg, a guy came up to help him up, and that guy is the owner of Sony. Helps him up, helps him get to his car, exchanges phone numbers, and gives the guy a job right next to him there in his company. So was it a good thing or a bad thing he broke his leg? Well, good, because he got a job with Sony. And when he's working there with Sony, he ticks off the owner. 
You know, he gets ticked off and he says, You're fired, you're out of here. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Bad. Seemingly. So little does he know as he walked outside, there right in front of him was the girl of his dreams. He says, Man, I just got fired. You want to get something to eat? Yeah. End of marriage. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Pretty solid if it's a bad thing. Wow. How do you know? You see, you don't know. You always think that the bad things happening to you are destroying your life, and God's saying, that is good for you. Because I'm working something in you, Josh. I am making things better. You don't know it, but I know. I will withhold no good thing from you. And that's why I can point to that scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, and say, Lord, you've given me your son already. The greatest gift. I remember when I first saw that verse, I was in Mexico. And I was sitting there on one of the hills that I used to sit on. And I remember the Lord giving me this picture of a man who went and sold everything that he had, everything, to buy one diamond ring to give to the woman that he loves. Here is everything. I have sold everything to give you this diamond. Will you marry me? He's given her the greatest thing he could ever give her. It's his life. It's everything. He sold all and gives to her. And that is what our king has done for us. Are we not his bride? Has he not given us the greatest diamond, the greatest gift ever already? His son. If your heavenly father loves to give good gifts to you, which he does, your father loves to take care of you. Maybe your mother, I don't know who it may be. How much more does your Father in Heaven love to give you good gifts and bless you? He loves to take care of us and He's always going to do good for us. He is good. God is good and good flows from Him. He is good to the core. Truly, God is good. And that's what you can know and that's what you can look at for the rest of your entire life. When you reject God, you are rejecting good. Plain and simple. If you want bad for your life, reject God, and you will get just that. If you want good, walk with Him, and you will be blessed. Not only is this thing true and right, but I've seen it play out my life perfectly. I can't believe what God has done for me. And I can't believe how He's pulled through. We're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 86 tonight, if you have your Bible. Psalm chapter 86, and we'll be going through the chapter. Father... Ah, gosh, I'm so happy that you are good. Lord, you could have made it any way you wanted to. Because you're God and we're not. You could have said, because you've sinned, you will work for me for 10,000 years. And you will pay off the debt that you owe me. Lord, you could have made salvation a wonderful thing and that we get heaven, but we will have to live a miserable life. That we will never experience happiness nor joy. Lord, you could have done many other ways in the way that you've done it, but Lord, you've gone so far that you would not only give us heaven for free, simply because you choose to. Why me? And not only heaven, but you say I will give you life and that abundantly. 
I will take care of you. I will never leave you nor forsake you, even if you leave me. I will give you peace that surpasses understanding, even if you run from me. I will give you rest in your life, even if you've sinned against me. I will give you blessings new every single morning. I will cause all things to work together for good. I will give you life in that abundantly. Why do you give all that? Why do you take care of me? I'm a rebellious child who does not desire to do right. The flesh hates doing the things that are right. And you still choose to bless me. I don't get it, Father. But I just choose to sit in your grace and enjoy it and walk in your ways. You bless me. I'm forever indebted to you. And I will live for you and serve you for the rest of my life. Till the day that I die. My family will serve you and live for you. Father, we come here tonight asking that you would speak to us through your word. I'm a mere man. I don't know much about your word. I need your spirit to minister to your people. Have your way tonight. Speak to us in Jesus' name. We ask these things in the name of your Son. Amen. Amen. Psalm chapter 86. Um, not much background on this psalm. A psalm of David. A psalm that he is singing. Once again, with these psalms, scholars are not able to pinpoint and really lock down exactly what's going on. What happens many times... Look, the more that you study, the more that you realize that scholars don't know just as much as you don't know. And when you look at things, you're basically shooting in the same way they are. What they're doing is taking passages of Scripture and trying to line them up with the situations that are going on throughout the Bible. And sometimes, there at the top of the page... I'm sorry, at the top of your chapter, you'll see a little insert, uh, like this happened to David when he was going through this, or this happened when he was going through this, or this is a psalm to the son of so-and-so, who is the son of so-and-so. So you kind of get a little picture of what's going on. This one simply just says, a prayer of David. Prayer of David. We know David as many different lights, in many different lights. We see him as a shepherd boy. Uh, we see him there as the giant slayer. We see him as king of Israel. We see him as the adulterous murderer. You see him in many different um, lights, that's for sure. And David, I, I just love David because, geez, he was the man after God's own heart. And he failed so much, and God still looked at him as the man, as the one. It's like, wow. Gives me such hope. Because I feel like I fail so many times, like God can't use me. Maybe you're feeling that this week. God can't use me. I am a screw-up. I don't do what's right. God says, you're perfect. That's exactly who I want. He's not looking for much. He's not looking for do, 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 do. No, he's not. He's not looking for don't, 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 don't do that. He's looking for a person who simply turns their heart towards him and says, I give you all that I am. All of my goals, all of my life, all of my desires, I give it to you, Father. And if you can say that, you say that every day for the rest of your life, God will do great things in you. And that's who David was. You look at his life, did he mess up? Absolutely. But he kept being a man that just said what? Here I am, Father. I messed up. 
And I'm coming back. ASAP. I'm not wasting any time. One of the secrets of David is that when he sinned, as he repented, he repented, he repented, he repented. And I'm telling you, family, if you would learn the simple principle, you would advance so much in your walk with God. When you sin, repent. Immediately turn back to God. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for an hour to go by? You want to be separated from God? You, you, you enjoy that time? Okay, it's not that my ear is dull that I can't hear you. No, not that my hand is short that I can't reach you. It is your sin that separates us. It's yours. And so God's simply saying, be repented towards me all the days of your life. Keep coming back. That's what the Christian walk is. I hope you know. It's like misery. Because you keep, you try not to sin. You fight it. You run from it. You keep messing up. You fall on your face. And you come back to God and He starts using you again. Then you fall on your face and you repent again. You come back to God and He starts using you again. You fall on your face and you repent and you turn back to God and He uses you again. Then what? You fall on your face, you repent, you turn back to God and He uses you again. That is the walk. There is no man that walks in perfection. And I love what a, uh, a pastor said that I heard not too long ago. If you know a man who says I am perfect and I do not sin, go talk to his wife. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> and ask her if he's perfect. <laughs> it's true. Go talk to his mother. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Nobody. Noah, drunk in his tent. Moses beat the rock. David killed a man. These guys loved God. These are the powerful men of the Bible. The disciples, look at them. The one that Christ established his church through Peter, who basically gave the Lord the birdie three times in a row and says, I don't know you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine your best friend, or just just any one of your friends that you walked with for three years, just hung out with, okay? Not Jesus, but just any one of your friends. And they turned around and looked at you, you right in the eye. I mean, you came to another person and just said, don't even know him. Nope. Never hung out with him. Don't even know him. Don't know him. You don't know this guy. No, uh uh-uh. Are you sure you're not lying right now? Absolutely not. I would never lie. I don't know. (laughs) And to go as far as to do that towards our king, towards Jesus Christ. She's. And God says, that is the one that I will establish the church through. That gives me hope, man. I am a professional sinner. I know how to do it very well. I know how to run from God. As much as I'm supposed to be Mr. Like teacher guy up here, Mr. Minister, I'm telling you the truth. When I say that sin haunts me every day, and maybe even worse than many of you in here, the enemy, I feel all the time, wants to kill me and rip me off and take every all of this away. If he can just get me to screw up, you know, just a couple big times, snatch all the everything, all the foundation, everything that God has done. 
take a shotgun to me, just blow me away. Aha, I got you. God is great at using a bunch of people who mess up and turning them for good. That's what He does. So if you're a screw up, raise your hand. God wants to use you. You. I'm a bigger screw up than all of you. Then you're perfect. You're like Paul. You got it. He wants to use you greater than anyone. God wants to use you. He's just waiting for a person to say what? Father, here I am. Here am I. Gosh. I love Moses. Moses, I'm going to give you the words to speak. Lord, I can't speak. (laughs) Moses, I will give you the words. Lord, I can't speak. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do this. Okay. I can see Father like, okay, one more time. (laughs) Moses, I'm speaking to you now. This is God. I hope you hear what I'm saying. I created your mouth. I created the human body. And I'm going to help you and give you words to speak. Those are the heroes. Those are the giants. Those are the ones that part Red Seas right there. If you're weak, if you can't do it without the Lord, you are perfect. God wants to do great things in this family. Great things. He's just looking for a man or for a woman that would simply bow the knee and say, God, I got nothing. That's who David is. Look at him, verse 1. Bow down thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am what? Poor and needy. Oh, it gives me hope. I am poor and I am needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. If you look there in your margin, if you have the King James, it says, One whom thou favorest, the one who finds favor in the eyes of God. Not because of anything he's done, but because God simply chooses to show him grace. O thou my God, save thy servant that trusts in thee. This is a great prayer to pray, you know. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Daily. Stop there. If you have a problem or a situation going on in your life, You need to cry unto the Lord daily or all day long, as also you'll see in your margin there. All day long, all the day. You need to cry unto the Lord all day long until that situation is settled within your spirit. The situation that just happened to me, I was stirred deep in my soul and I'm just like, I was ticked. And when it happened, I actually sat in my car for about an hour and didn't do anything. Nobody knew. Nobody knew where I was at. But I sat there, and I just sat there, and I really didn't say anything. I really didn't think about it. I just sat there and was just bummed. I'm like, Father, why now? I, Come on. So many great things are going down right now. And I just sat there, and I sat there, and, it, and it, I wasn't settled in my soul that night. It was not settled. It was not until the next day when the Lord started asking me things like this. Do you trust me? 
Josh, do you trust me? Do I pull through? Yes, you pull through, Lord. Do you trust me? Yes, I trust you, Lord. Am I going to deliver you? Absolutely. Am I going to teach you? Yes, you are. It is not until I talk it over and cry out to the Lord all day long that it will find rest within my soul. And many of you may be stirred in a situation right now, something going on in your life which you are not settled about. I'm telling you that you need to sit before Father until things are settled and dealt with. This is a secret that I see in David all the time. Do you remember when when the baby, I believe, uh, did it get sick or he was about, I can't remember exactly what happened. Who knows the story? Huh? The baby got sick. It was for seven days. He, he cried out, didn't eat, right? This is the baby that uh, came from Bathsheba. And remember, he was so messed up inside. When he do cry out to God, cry out to God, cry out to God, just messed up. Even his servants, remember, wouldn't come and talk. They were just like, man, David is messed up. Crying out to God. And as soon as the baby died, man, it was like the word of the Lord. All of a sudden, it was like, bam. But he did not stop crying out until he was settled in his soul. And I am telling you that we see this time and time again in the life of David, in his Psalms. You'll see him all ticked off about something, or upset, or sad about something. In the Psalm, and he'll start complaining, huh? Complaining and talking to the Lord about it, getting it worked out. Talking it over with Father. Then all of a sudden, what happens? But you, O Lord, do this. And you always pull through in this way. And he starts crying out and celebrating how great and good and awesome God is. If you have a situation you're dealing with, if it's a sin issue, you need to lay it before the Lord. One of the sin issues in my life, the way the Lord struck me as I laid it before Him, and I heard Him say, are you willing to cut this off? Cut it off. What does that mean, Lord? You need to do this, 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 and this. Are you willing to cut it off? As if you were to cut your arm off or pluck out your eye. Are you willing? And I battled. Honestly. Yes. And I'm stirred. So I talk it over with the Lord. Talk it over, talk it over, talk it over. i got to do this. I have to cut it off. Talk it over until it must be cut. Talk the situation over with Father until you have peace. You've got to. What happens when it comes back and I don't have peace again? Talk it over with Father. Look, we do not live by the law. Do you know that? There are not over 600 laws for you to abide by so that you know what to do for every situation. Lord, what if a cow falls in a hole in my neighbor's house? Um, Why don't you talk to Father about it? That is what the Spirit is for. That is why the Holy Spirit has been given to you. You have a personal relationship with God now. You can't do that in the Old Testament. Did you know that? You have to go through a bunch of things in order to get to God. You have to sacrifice, man. You can't just approach God. And more than that, there are a bunch of rules and regulations set up for almost every single situation. But God has given us His Spirit. And God desires for you to commune with Him. And talk to Him. Maybe all day long. Verse 4. Rejoice the soul of thy servant. 
For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh, man. I'm sorry, i got to stop. This is, isn't it a great picture? I love the King James. Unto thee, Lord, do I lift up my soul. I see a man like grabbing his soul, ripping it out of his body, if you can do that. Grabbing soul and lifting it up to Father. My soul, who is that? All that I am, it is my personality, it is me. Like, I am not a bunch of bones and muscle and, you know, love muscle. And, uh, <laughs> terrible, terrible, I know. Veins and hair and you name it. That's not who I am. Okay, okay, back on track, back on track. That's not who I am. Who I am is in here, okay? If when I die, if I drop dead right now, I'm not here anymore. Woo, I'm gone. Just a body laying there. It is my soul. It is me saying, I lift up who I am unto you. My soul I lift up unto thee. I lift myself, all that I am to thee. Gosh. If a people would get on their face and simply say, I lift myself, my soul, my personality, all that I am to thee daily, what could happen to this place? These kind of phrases, man, how does David even think of this stuff? Like how many of you walk around saying, lifted my soul up to the Lord today? Things like this don't come unless you spend time with Father. I've noticed that. Phrases like this don't come unless you spend time with Father. Unto thee do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art what? Good. And ready to what? Forgive. And plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Wow. If you call upon the Lord, want to know what? He's good. And He's ready to forgive. And He's ready to pour out His mercy. Why is God so depicted so many times as a big meanie in the sky? I'm mad at everybody. I can't wait to throw people to hell, man. I can't wait. He's not ticked off. Is He angry at sin? Absolutely. Is He bummed out when we walk away? Yeah. What father wouldn't be? But he is not a big, angry, tyrant, dictator in the sky. No. Uh-uh. The anger that you think about is different from the anger that God has. When you think of anger, you think of some guy who's ticked off, ready to smash somebody. That is not the anger of God. It is very righteous and just and perfect. I told this story many times, but I remember a pastor named John Corson... He was explaining to us righteous anger. And it was when he was standing there out at an outdoor mall somewhere and somebody came up and took a picture under his daughter's dress. What did he do? The guy went running and he chased him down, grabbed him by the throat, threw him up against the wall. You ever do that again, I'll kill you. He took the camera and broke it there. And that was it. And everybody says, yay, and amen. Because that's right. That is righteous anger. Jesus went in the temple and said what? You guys are, it's like if somebody was in the church wheeling and dealing and snatching people's money. Like, dude, I'm about to throw you out. Like, literally, I'm going to throw you out. 
you know, I got into a little discussion this last uh, Sunday. I was there at church. I was standing there. And this guy walks up and starts asking me questions. Classic. He's sitting there and he starts asking me. He, he basically, he was trying to trap me. He's like, oh, so you teach here? I'm like, yeah, I'm a teacher. Oh, well, uh, so what do you think about this scripture? Okay, here we go. So I answer his question. And he starts asking me another question. And I answer that one. And then I just said, what do you want, dude? Like, what are you getting at? He's like, in, he's like 45, 46, I don't know. I'm like, what are you getting at, man? And he wouldn't answer. He just kept trying to answer questions, and we kind of got into it a little bit. And what he had been doing is going from one person to the next, trying to indoctrinate, and trying to hand out CDs, and trying to do certain stuff. And it's like, oh, I know who you are. You are a wolf in sheep's clothing. You're coming in. You came in with a agenda. You did not come here to fellowship and to serve. No. You did not come here to take in. You came here to indoctrinate. You came in here to do something to stir up division. And I saw a man, the eye of the tiger came in his eyes and looked at this guy and said, Sir, you are more than welcome to come and worship with the congregation if you like. If you don't, we can escort you out. Love it. Because if someone came into this place and started to try and tear down or try to even mess with the mind of these people here, I'll be very angry. Not because I don't want them to be challenged, not because I don't want them, but because why would someone come here to simply stir something? It's not the place. If you want to sit down and talk over coffee, we can do that. But don't come to a group, don't ever go to a church, don't ever go to a place to cause strife and division. You're in trouble. God would not have that. He hates division. And Paul praised God for those priests of Jesus Christ. Yeah, but they got this wrong. Okay, you're right, they got that wrong. You're going to walk into every church and just start calling out? You're not an apostle, okay? And when you have that authority, when you have that respect, you can go to that church and you can minister to them and deliver to them. But you don't have that. We need to be very careful with that. And that is a righteous anger. That is a just God. What is the God that David's speaking about right now? The same God. But it says that he is what? Ready to forgive. I like that phrase. Almost like he's just waiting. Like, come on. Come on, I want to forgive. Come on, I want to do it right now. I want to forgive. I love forgiving. I want to forgive. I want to pour mercy. I want it right now on you. I want to. Like almost like there are ropes holding back or something is stopping. And God says again, it's not me. I am, I am going as far as I possibly can over my dead body. I died for you. He is ready to forgive. So when you're thinking, God can't, God's not going to forgive me. Hello? He is ready to forgive. Right now. No, Josh, but I just sinned like one second ago. Ready to forgive? No, but you don't understand. I really messed up. Like, this is the worst thing I could have ever done in my life. Ready to forgive? Who is what? Compassion. Shows compassion. We're, we're getting to that. I'm sorry. Plenty of mercy. If you would just simply call upon him. David goes on in verse 6 and says, Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer. Attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Are you in trouble? Call upon God and he will answer you. This is a scripture that you can point your finger at right here. 
when you pray, you can go like this. Father, you say, actually David says right here in verse 7, in the day of my trouble I'll call upon thee and you will answer me. And so Father, I come to you asking with my trouble and I believe that you will answer. And I'm telling you, I remember um, a man taught me once, he said, go to the Lord with expectation. Go to the Lord with a pen and pencil ready to receive what he might tell you. Expecting him to speak. Many times we go before the Lord and just lay ourselves there and then our mind starts wandering and we're just like, oh, I don't even know what I'm thinking about right now. How about you say, Father, I'm ready. Here's my trouble. Here's what's going on in my life. And I'm coming with pen and paper and I'm going to sit and wait until you speak to me. It's like Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Habakkuk? Habakkuk. You'll see there in the uh, first chapter, he goes up into a tower. He waits upon the Lord. I'm telling you, if you'd simply wait upon the Lord, lay your trouble at His feet, He will answer you. Verse 8, Among the gods there is none like thee. None. O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. It's true. There is no God like our God, and no one can do the works like Father has done the works. Verse 9, All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee. Did you see that? All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. I love telling people, you can either bow the knee now, or you can bow the knee then. All nations will bow before and worship you. All of them. All of them. All of them. What that means is that all nations will bow before the living God. doesn't matter who you are. I'm going to bow before God. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. You're not going to bow? Okay, you just keep saying. You can bow the knee now in willingness and submission unto the Father. Or you bow the knee then in great regret. And you know what? I, I, I wonder... I think when people bow the knee then, it's not going to be because God's saying, Bow! Now! Bow, get, get down! Get down! Everybody! Everybody! Bow. All you wicked, get down. And they're just going to have to be forced to bow. No. I think that those in that day will look upon God's face and see the grace, love, mercy, compassion, righteousness, holiness, and justice and say what? Oh no. Oh no. I screwed up. You're the great mighty king of the universe. There is none like you. Bowing unto the Lord. Stay with me, family. It's just coffee. Listen. It is important that we bow the knee every single day to God. Every day. Are you a Christian? Have you ever bowed with your face to the ground and prayed and talked to God? That's what Christians do. That's what followers of God do. Hello. We bow the knee to our God every day. Why? Because He's God. Right? I mean, look at the Muslims. They bow five times a day. Come on. We can't even keep up. It's like, how many times do you bow today? Um, actually, I haven't bowed in about one year. Huh? Are you even a Christian? 
That's what Christians do, man. We bow before our God. We lift up His name. We spend time with Him. Do you have a God? Well, what do you do? I bow before Him. Isn't that what you do unto gods? You bow before them? We need to be trained and understand. We've got to get away from this cliche-ish Christianity where you feel scared to bow down because the person next to you in a worship service. Ridiculous! That's not it, guys. Believe it or not, as much as we put down tradition, we are tradition! We do the same thing. Do you know that? Do you notice that even in this coffee shop? As much as I want to change it, and I try to figure out how, you know what we do? We come in, we do worship for... 25 to 30 minutes, and then I do announcements for like 5-10 minutes, you know? Then what? Somebody comes up and gives a diva, right? And then I talk for 30 minutes. <laughs> and then we go home, huh? Then we talk, we fellowship back here. Routine. Tradition. Over and over and over and over. And God is saying, family, if you, gosh, have tradition anywhere in your life, I hope it would be to bow the knee once a day at least. Daniel said three times a day I will bow. David said, morning, noon, and evening I will bow. Moses said, you know what, I'm just going to bow for 40 days straight. I'm going to worship you, I'm going to spend time with you in your presence. You will bow one day. And I hope you're not in regret. For every nation you have made will bow and worship before thee, will come and worship, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Thou art God alone. That's a powerful scripture, you know, for J Dubs, Jehovah's Witnesses, and even Mormons at that. God alone. Alone, alone, alone. I don't have time to get into that. Isaiah 43.10 is another great one. But verse 11, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Wow! What a powerful statement, huh? Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Let me ask you this. Do you want to know the ways of the Lord? Don't raise your hand. Just just answer. Do you want to know the ways of the Lord? If you do, I will teach you. But but there comes the next part. You see that? Because I will walk in thy truth. Look, if you're not going to walk in God's truth, then don't learn His ways. You're wasting your time. Why know what to do, but never do it? It's like if a house gets on fire, and you're a firefighter, and you've been taught how to put out that fire. You say, nah. No, I don't want to do that. Well, why not? You know the ways. You've been taught. You know what to do. Nah. Like to watch houses burn. Okay. Let it burn. And God says to you, you want me to teach me your way, my, my ways? Yes, Lord, teach me. I want to know your ways. Okay, I'll teach you. 
You come to church and you learn the ways of God. And then God says, your life is on fire. It's burning down. Nah, I know what to do, but nah, I don't want to do that. I like watching my life burn. I like being on fire. Makes me feel hot. <laughs> Alright, that's terrible, I know. We don't get it, though, you know? Don't be hearers of the word only, but doers. Don't hear unless you're going to do. You're wasting your time. Honestly, me too. One of the things that I've really genuinely tried to do, and what I try to tell people is when I speak, it's like, especially I've been speaking at these uh, high schools, I was over here in Woodcrest, and then I was out there in Downey, and I just told the kids straight up, it's like, look guys, if you don't want to listen, then just plug your ears. If you're not going to do what is told, then get out. Because you are wasting your own time, literally. And you're almost damning yourself more. You're scorning your own heart. You're causing your heart to turn to stone because you know the right, but you choose not to do it. It's like mom telling you to take out the trash over and over and over and over and over and over and over. You don't listen. And then what? You become this rebellious little jerk who never takes out the trash. And God is saying, I will teach you my ways. And David takes it even a step further and says, what? I will walk in thy truth. And he even goes farther. I love the picture. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Oh, Father, unite our hearts to fear your name. What a powerful phrase. Teach me. You know the truth? God has taught you plenty. You don't need any more instruction. Gosh, you get 45 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe two or three hours of instruction. Some of you listen to sermons all the time. You get plenty of instruction. You need to start doing, man. No more listening for you one year until you start applying all that you've learned. Gosh. Only if I could have applied every single message I've ever listened to in my life, where would it be? Maybe you need to stop listening and start doing. Maybe you need to start tonight. You don't listen to another message until you can do the one that you've heard. Starting tonight. Verse 12, I will praise thee, O Lord my God. With all my heart I will glorify thy name forever. Lord, that is us. Father, we will do the best we can to glorify thy name forevermore. Verse 13, For great is thy mercy toward me. It's true. And thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. Isn't that great? Or grave? You know what the greatest miracle is, which we grow stale of all the time, is salvation. The fact that you have been delivered from hell is power that you can't even imagine. You can't buy that, you know that? You know that there are Muslims walking around scared to death because they're going to hell? Even though they pray five times a day, even though they go to mosque, even though they, they only eat with their right hand, even though they keep the dog outside, even though they all these works they still don't even know and they walk in fear of Allah every single day. And we Christians do what? Yeah, I'm going to heaven, I'm Christian. Whoop-dee-doo. Who gives a rip? I'm going to sin, man. Church is cool, but, you know, 
I don't really need to get bald or anything. I'm actually going to be teaching a message this week for the first time in my life. I was just asked to do it. On hell. Just specific topic of hell. I've never been able to deeply look into it, and I'm actually kind of scared. Because I think it's just going to rip me from the inside out to understand what this truly is and what some of my family and where they're going. And I'm, I, I am, I'm really scared because I think a realization is just going to tap into me all of a sudden. Like The eyes will be pulled back, the scales will be pulled back, and I will see. Maybe what some of the old-timers saw, these men that cry day and night that people would come to know Christ because they don't want him to go to hell. You were going there, and you deserve to be there. And if I was God, I'd snatch salvation away from everybody because you're not faithful, you don't truly love God, there's none righteous, no, not one. It's not who desires good. It's a sad thing. But David recognizes it. Maybe that's a prayer that we need to start praying every other day or so. Father, thank you for saving me from hell forever and ever. Eternity. The lowest grave. Death. In verse 14, we're almost done here. Let's wrap it up. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul and have not set thee before them. The proud. Love that. The violent men. Mm. Verse 15, but... Love that word, but. But thou, O Lord, art a what? God of full of compassion, gracious, long-suffering. And again, plenteous in mercy and truth. Oh gosh, you know, it's another sermon. Did you see that? But thou, God, are what? Full of compassion. Jeez, man. You know when you see the guys on the corner standing there like, you're going to hell? Those guys? It's like, I've never read one of these. Like, God full of compassion. The image of God is what? I see a man in the garden made in the image of God, and I see a woman in the garden made in the image of God. You see them put together, it's almost like you get an image of God. He is what? He is the lion, but he is the lamb. He is, yes, the king, the valiant one. But he also plays with the kids and takes care of the poor. He, he is very strong, mighty, and powerful. But he's very loving, compassionate. He has the heart of the father and the mother in him. He is that. Full of compassion. Many of you need to read this verse when you sin. But thou art Lord, our God, full of compassion, graciousness, and long-suffering. Wow. Mercy and truth, I love that. They go hand in hand. Verse 16. O turn unto me, and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant, and save the son of thy handmaid. Show me a token for good, that they which hate me may see it. And be ashamed, because thou, Lord, has holpen me and comforted me. Amen.
Show me a token for good. Show me a token for good that those may look at me and recognize what you have done in me, Father. There's no greater desire in my heart than to see the Father lifted up and glorified in Riverside, California, in this coffee shop and everywhere that I go. Listen. That our lives would reflect would be almost a token of good. So that what? And people would see it and be jealous, be distracted, be blown away, and be blessed. Because they look at our lives. Is that true for you? People can just simply look at the lifestyle, and I'm telling you, even within the church, that's the most important thing, I think. Because the church, man, is just a bunch of same old, same old. I love looking in the church and seeing diversity and seeing men. Like I could see like five men who are absolutely powerful and sold out for Christ. Each one of them have separate gifts. One guy like almost looks at everything half empty because he's just brutally honest. He's like a prophet, man. He just tells it how it is. The next guy is like, he's just so merciful and compassionate towards people. A shepherd who just loves on. Another guy, man, is just full of truth, man. He just can discern the Word of God so well and distinct. Another guy, he just loves to give to people, and he just gives wholeheartedly. Another guy just walks up and encourages everybody he knows. Each one completely different, but are all very powerful men or women. Very powerful women. You know the difference. Just look at your church. There are those who are very different and set apart and almost on another level with God. And the rest are just all the same. David says, God, give me a token of good that they may look at me and see something else. And I'd like to pray for that tonight. That gosh, tonight would be the night that you Whatever it needs to be for you, I know what it is for me. But you'd simply come back just like David and say, Man, this is all I got, Father. I'm ready to be transformed completely. You know, Christians need to pray that a lot. I do. I do not want to be the same person today. New day tomorrow. We're going from glory to great glory, family. Gosh. Isn't it so funny that some people will do great things and others will do nothing? It's that plain and simple. Great things doesn't mean great things that the people see and say, wow. No. Just like an old woman that I know, man, who just simply serves and serves and serves and serves and does not stop serving and loving people. And everywhere that she goes, people are blown away. And it's nothing big. Not a powerful speaker or anything. Just a lover of God. You know what I'm talking about, family? That's what God's calling us to. Let me pray over you guys. Well, Father, she's... 
Lord, we are a people. I believe, Lord, with all my heart that this group here, I, I, I think. But I, I don't think that they're satisfied with where they're at and they desire to go big. Man, they desire to be different. Lord, you're not asking for much, Father. I know. Lord, why have you given so much but asked for so little from us? You don't even want us to sacrifice. Look, we don't have to slaughter anything. You just want a heart turned towards you. And Lord, when our heart turns towards you, all of a sudden you just start blessing and pouring out your life on us. And we a double win. I don't get it, Father. But I'm ready, Lord. I cannot stand it, Lord, whether these people want to or not. I turn my heart towards you. Honestly, genuinely from the bottom of my heart, Father, whatever you want, King. And Lord, I pray the same for these people, Lord. I want to pray that prayer for them. I want to see their hearts turn towards you. It's a work that only you can do, Father. But those who are willing, and maybe even those who are not right now, would you draw them unto yourself? Would you reach out and touch and transform and cause new birth and creation to take place from the inside out? I need you to do this, please, Father. Please, I'd love to see this family here walking close to you, walking with you. So we love you, King. So thankful for all that you've done in our lives. When we are faithless, when we don't believe anything you have to say, you remain faithful. And we are forever thankful. One with the King, we lift it up. Be glorified in our lives as we leave this place in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Love you guys. I want the best. I want the best. I don't want half best. That's lame, man. It's lame. You want half best? Go buy a Porsche or something. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you want the best? Seek after Christ. Seek after Jesus and walk with Him. All the days of your life, you will have the best. I promise you that. Go in peace, my friends. See you next week. God bless you.